Welcome to Crime Time. You're listening to Leonetti's Detection Selection. Welcome to Crime Time, the podcast discussing all things mystery, thriller, sci-fi, horror, and crime fiction. I'm Lee. I'm Eddie. We're here. Boom! What's news? Uh, you know, just uh, just chilling, much like a villain. I just watched the uh, Aladdin trailer, oh. which was uh, very exciting. Yep. I was like, wow, I would like my childhood ruined. Doesn't look good. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, the guy playing Aladdin, he looks great. Like, I'm like, ideal, very beautiful, that's what you want. The woman playing Jasmine, also very beautiful. The genie. Will Smith. Will Smith. Now, I was really excited about this, but this is a monstrosity of CGI. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. I just, I don't think, first of all, I think a straight up redo of Robin Williams' Genie was never going to work. That's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And Will Smith's not the guy to do it either. Because, like, Robin Williams is, like, your... I'm going to say your incredibly, like, crass, vile uncle. Robin Williams was the uncle that you'd, like, hang out with and you'd be like, oh, you want to have a cigarette? And you'd go out the back and he'd, like, make some horrible sex joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was... That was Robin Williams. Mm. Will Smith is your embarrassing dad. Will Smith is, like... You know, you're like, oh, I'm hungry. And he's like, hi, hungry, I'm dad. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the same energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just heard in the last 20 years, he hasn't got a film above 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah, 20 years. Not even Men in Black 3. Not even Men in Black 3. But that'd be high. I think it was 68%. Oh, so close. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brutal. All right, so this week we are talking about CJ Tudor. Uh, we're talking about Kathy Rikes. And uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of sexy and scary. So, uh, I got a surprise for you. Oh, I love surprises. Is it, can I, can I guess? Go. Is it a gift? Mm-hmm. A beautiful gift? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it to celebrate my birthday, which recently, recently happened? Yes, it is. Is it, is, is, is it like balloons? It is. Is it, did you, did you? Did you order a clown for my birthday? Yes! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh man, I love balloon animals! <laughs> yes! It's uh, the second installment of It, Stephen King's It. We're going to watch the trailer. I've watched it already. And I got really scared. And then I thought, you know who would get even more scared by this? I, you. you. Know, I, I, oh, it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I dread to guess. Oh, shit. I think when the trailer for the first one came out, we mm. watched it. Yeah, well, we definitely, we watched the trailer for Us. You showed me oh, that one. Oh, it was Us. Yeah, that Brilliant was horrible. Film. Okay. It, uh, it scarred me for life. Are you on board? Are you happy to watch it? Well, I wouldn't say happy is the word. Well, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Happy birthday. You can full screen, man. What Hated do? doorbell. I used to live here. Would anyone let someone walk around their house where they got the oh my God. kettle can boiling? I just say one time I can we really quickly pause because one time when I was a you kid, have to immerse yourself. I'm gonna in immerse this. myself right. in this, but one time when I was a kid, this woman knocked on our door and said, "I used to live in this house. Can I look around?" No. And my mum was like, "Yeah, of course." Anyway, so she walked around and all she did was like insult our like style choices. Oh. Like she's like, "Oh, I would have taken that wallpaper off," you know. But I actually think. Now, looking back on it, it really shows that my mum 
is white. <laughs> Say more. Well, you know, because, like, in horror movies, like, white people are always the people who, like... Make bad decisions. They summon, <laughs> you know, they summon a devil. They use a Ouija board. Like, no brown person is doing that stuff. It reminds me of when, um, I think... I don't know what it was. I don't know who said it, but when they were talking about us yeah. and centering a black family in a yeah, horror yeah, film yeah. because someone was saying, like, we won't make the same decisions that white people make. And we make don't. different choices. Yeah. And I think that uh, us was amazing for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. Definitely, definitely. I don't know, like, if I opened that door and some lady was like, I used to live here, can I look around? I'd be like, uh, I used to feel safe here, no. I'd close the door, I'd light my house on fire, it'd be over, it's I, done. How could you ever, in this day and age, <gasps> let anyone come into your house? That's a demon right there, don't invite her in! Now, I feel like you're deflecting, because you I, just don't want to immerse yourself really in the don't. horror that is really It Chapter She's 2. She's in an old lady's house that used to be her house, you just know that old lady's about to be possessed and be like, hi! So the little girl from the first film with the red hair, she's fully grown, she's come back to the house she grew up in, but she knocks on the door and this, I guess it's just an old lady, but it feels scary, answers the door and says, sure, come in, have a look. No, no, she's definitely, Ah! she ran away. No, she didn't just run, she had body. She scampered. That was scampering. She's putting some creepy old music on, there's bugs. You feel like you could just about die. <laughs> <laughs> All people do you say know things what they like that say sometimes. About Derry. Hmm. No one who dies here ever really dies. Oh, that one lady Wait, the way she years. holds this stare. No, 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 no. Because she's thinking, like, either you're a devil or you're just a real creepy really old lady. Creepy. Either way, you should get out Tell of here. How is it being back in Derry? It's kind of strange. Strange. Oh, oh my. Oh no. Oh no. I had some cookies in the oven before no, you came. No death cookies. I shouldn't impose. I'm gonna. Nobody does death cookies. Why insist? We follow the lovely Miss Kirsch. Are these your family? My father came to this country with $14 in his pocket. Run. What did he do, Mrs. Kirsch? Run away. My father joined the circus. Oh, sh. My daddy is Pennywise. <laughs> She's naked. No, Why is no, she naked? No, she's she? Well, she like before she had a, a dress on and no, oh, yep. She's naked. Why is she <laughs> naked? No. I was always daddy's little girl. Oh. What about you? Oh. Are you still his little girl, Beverly? Are you? First of all, I never want a naked old lady to run at me. <laughs> never. Like, never. Like, never. Like, officially begun. A naked anyone. To be honest. Wait, was that Bill Hader? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen much of Pennywise. Oh, there we go. Alright. You know what? That wasn't that scary. No, yeah. I wasn't that scared. Is it because I interrupted it? I think, I think so. I, you didn't immerse yourself. I, uh, you deflected. <laughs> the evil's been defeated. I think it looks um, more like a maybe like an action thriller. Yeah. So the gang gets back together again and they come back to Derry to fight that evil one last time. Yeah, so I'm interested to see how it goes because they did make some pretty big changes in the film as compared to the book. It's a pretty big book, though. Oh, I mean, every Stephen King book, like, massive. 
But the other thing that I think is interesting is that they're kind of jumping off straight on that weird, like, mm, like child sexual assault note, yeah. which I, I feel like was actually quite downplayed in the film. Yeah, I, I feel like it was my one feeling about the film where I was just like, ah, oh, just let me live and watch this film. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I, I really love a horror film. I love it because it's like creepy clown, not like, you know, actual stuff. Ugh, but I'm going to watch the hell out of it. I'm, I'm not in love. I'm not in love. No. I feel like the choice of actors as well is, is it's bumming me out. It's the guy from... Uh, X-Men. X-Men, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the guy who plays the young Charles Xavier. In the 70s one where he's really gross. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, I find that... Um, scary. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Pennywise is going to be like, psychic attack, and he's going to be like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Magneto, save me! (laughs) Tell me about the chalk man. So this book blew up uh, about a year ago. So you you went to pick it up, and it exploded. (laughs) Oh, I knew you were going to make a dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching way too many uh, Unabomber videos please tell me something that might make me very unpopular but i just need to ask someone that might have the the inside knowledge all right jokes like dad jokes and puns yeah yeah what is funny or like appealing about them (laughs) whatsoever because some people just love it and like i'm like live your best life but i can't like i love a good laugh i love a good joke i love a good meme yeah but i can't understand the pun humor Right, you're like, I would do anything for lols, but I won't do that. Is that what you But it just doesn't make me laugh. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, it, there's nothing in me that's like, that's funny. Like, you know when someone <laughs> sends you something funny and it's vaguely funny, so you'd be like, lol. Right. But, like, I don't even get a lol. I'm just like, right. oh, please be over. Like, why? <laughs> Tell me what it is. I'm listening. I'm open. I'm right. here for it. Okay. So for me, I think the thing that I like is the cleverness and like fun with language. But I think the other thing is like the unexpectedness of it. And I think that the genre of the dad joke relies really heavily on a kid who doesn't quite know uh, where the world is headed, you know, like what the like social scripts are, but they have these kind of really set ideas of what it is because they're like young and that's how you figure out the world. You like narrativize. And then the dad joke comes in and, and the kid's like, Dad, I'm hungry. And they're like, I'm communicating hungriness to you. And Dad's like, hello, hungry, I'm Dad. And and, and what it is is it's a surprise. It's like flipping it on its head. It's like, that's not what you meant. But it could have been. Right. You know what I mean? And then as an adult? As an adult, I just think they're... Again, it's the same kind of thing. It's the unexpected. Okay, but what about when someone goes to make that pun joke and everyone's like, oh, I knew you were going to say that. Okay, so here's my thing. I feel like people... And I'm, this is probably going to make me really unpopular. People who make puns, right, they either make them unabashedly or they wish they made them. So when you make a pun and the other person's sitting there, they're jealous. They're like, oh, you're willing to look the fool. They wish they'd done it, but they didn't. <laughs> I don't know about so that. So they're like, oh. Or they're the envious thing, right? of the they're pun maker's ability. <laughs> or, or the other, my other theory is, my conspiracy theory that people get really cross at a pun because they're like well I didn't know I think of that so it's the same thing again <laughs> it's the same thing again <laughs> like why wasn't there no look I really don't know what it is that I like about puns I just think that they're like fun maybe it's like sweet humour yeah I guess I'm a saccharine shit kid <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there's something like sweet and earnest about it 
Yeah, yeah. I like wholesome, so. potentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just think the world's literally a garbage fire. So why not make some jokes? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're all dying. <laughs> like, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, for folks that may not be from around here, we uh, had our federal election in Australia last week. Uh, it was worst case scenario. Uh, it was an eight. It could have been a 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, and um, for those of you who don't follow Australian politics, this will be a little bit boring, but um, I really like the 90s revival, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, striped t-shirts. Ooh, those, like, neck, like, those tattoo necklaces. Mm. Those are huge. Yep. Those are really yeah, cute. Are, yeah. uh, Daisy print. Daisy print, scrunchies, all very fun. I saw, like, a little kid wearing a Nirvana shirt. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. Pauline Hanson. It's a no. People, she's just the worst. She's just awful. She's, yeah, yeah, she's not great. Um, and like, you know, like when I was growing up, she was like, oh, Asians, they're awful. And so like, that was me. I was growing up having Pauline Hanson say, Eddie, you're shit. Um, and now she's back, but she's not talking about Asians anymore. Now she's like, guess who it is. <laughs> guess. I mean, is it? Muslim. Yes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> See, I'm like, burn the prisons. Right? Yeah. But uh, if we're going to play by, like, society's rules, she went to prison for fraud. Yeah. And then she came back out and picked up where she left off, just, like, being an awful person. Yeah. And people love her. <sighs> Look, we could talk about this for days, and we probably will, but let's talk about some crime fiction. Let's talk about some damn crime fiction, because do you know what I do when the world is on fire? I sit down... I make some puns and I read some damn trash. So it's probably good that we started off by watching the It trailer. Ah, and, and why is that? Uh, because I feel like, so I'm going to talk about CJ Tudor and I feel like her work is heavily inspired by Stephen King Ooh. in the most wonderful of ways. Okay. It's got that feeling of like that coming of age yeah. now and then young yeah. boys uh, mm -hmm. battling with a horror and then growing up and come to understand and have to rebattle or yeah. something. Yeah. So we know that, we know that storyline. Oh, it's a beautiful storyline. I love it. Don't change the wheel. No, no, don't reinvent it. If the wheel isn't broken. Exactly. But, and I'm going to say this earnestly because I love the Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, put some spinning rims on it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Introduce me to, to the, the first moments. So we're in this small town. I love a small town. You know I love a small town. In literature, like get, do not ah, get no me one. wrong. We're introduced to like five kids that are a bit of a gang, you know? Cute. And they've got cute names like Eddie Munster, like cute uh, little nicknames, you know oh, what I mean? Oh right, like they're named after famous people. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or like some kind of nickname. Right. Doesn't have to be a... They're named after the famous podcaster Eddie. Exactly, yeah. No, yeah, I didn't even connect that. It's good to know you're thinking of me. <laughs> Maybe his name wasn't Eddie. No, it was Eddie. I just never thought of you. <laughs> not wow. once. Cut to the quick. Literally not once. Ah. Good to know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things. We've got the creepy outsider that comes in. Oh, you know I love a creepy outsider that comes in. Uh, Wait, is he a traveling salesman? He's a teacher. He's going to start at the school in the whenever Americans start school. End of the summer? Yeah, but when is that? It's like... Oh, yeah, because they're Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, because our school year starts smack bang in January, which makes sense to me because it's the start of the year. But Yeah, it does make sense. Is it January or is it February? Anyway. It's definitely January. All right, well... It's just a series of events. You know when a book starts and it's like, 
you know, how can I tell you about this time? You know, uh-huh. when uh-huh. at what point did it actually start? This particular Ooh. period of my life, and then yeah. they're like, was yeah. it this accident? Was it this death? Ooh. Was it this weird thing that happened? Ooh. And then they're like, well, let's just start here. I love that kind of stuff because you know yeah. you're already yeah. like you're in for a long meaty story. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Like they're like. Looking back, I think really it started in the summer of 69. I bought my very first six string. I played it till my fingers bled. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. Standing on your mother's <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um. So they have like the teacher that comes in from the outside. There's some kind of accident at the fairground. He becomes instrumental with the main character in saving a girl. But that's not really, I guess, what the novel's about at all. There's definitely a mystery. You know, we're thinking about interpersonal dynamics between uh-huh, kids uh-huh. and families in this small yeah. town. People are turning up missing, turning up dead. And at the heart of it is this really sweet story about, you know that chalk? Remember mm. chalk? Yeah. Way back in the day. Way back in the day when, as a child, you'd be sent into the chalk mines <laughs> to mine your own street chalk. But I remember how, like, at lots of places now, like at my work, right, we have electronic writing boards, so you yeah, write yeah. and then you can print it out. Yeah. Some boards, they have, like... Uh, pens where you write yeah, it up yeah, yeah. but then back in the day kids you used to write on a blackboard with chalk we had this English teacher who I think had been at the school since the 1800s <laughs> I think we all had that teacher mm, right mm-hmm. and he would write on the chalkboard and I think it was the only chalkboard in the school like I don't think any other classroom had a chalkboard except his <laughs> I kind of think maybe he was the old lady from that it trailer, <laughs> now that I think about it. But he would just stand at the front writing out long swathes of, like, cursive notes, none of which any of us wrote down, and he would not talk to anyone in the class. <laughs> I'm like, was he even a teacher? One time a kid climbed out the window, came all the way around the building, knocked on the door, and... Hendo, Mr. Henderson. Oh my god, I had a Mr. Henderson too. Right? Was he was he the old lady from me? <laughs> no, he, he was a fun guy. He always had us for um you know when the regular teacher was away and all oh, we would do yeah. was origami. Amazing, you're like Hendo <laughs> Anyway, so Hendo just puts his chalk down, he walks over, he opens the door, lets the kid in, says sit down, closes the door, goes back to writing. And we all just sat there like, is he even in this current plane? I feel like the things that kids have to put up with (laughs) while they're still like, their brains are still growing and they can't comprehend maybe as well as an adult, but there's things that they have to try and comprehend that we don't have to deal with as adults. Yeah. I just, kudos to them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you're talking about chalk. Chalk. Anyway, small town, lots of mysteries happening, but there's like depths to the characters. I think that what she does really well is she captures maybe the the, the pain of mm. being like a twelve year old and mm. uh, growing up and coming of age, and the inter like the stuff you have to deal with yeah. in your relationships, but yeah. also if there's like a bigger issue mm. in the town, like uh, deaths or people going missing. Some uh, murders. Some murders, and you know, I also love that idea of situating the kids in the center of it, so yeah. they're like the the center of the story, but they might not always understand yeah. as as much as the reader does yeah. because we can read over their heads yeah they can't always understand what's Which going on my favorite thing yeah yeah um can i just say that this explanation uh, has been completely incoherent. Yes. And I still do not know what this book is about, which I kind of think is really selling it to me. Yeah, I would. I brought it for you because I really want you to oh, read it. Oh, done. It was Pass fantastic. It yeah, I, I have a hard time like pinning down how to 
talk about the story, but I guess yeah. I'm going to say it feels familiar to us yeah. if we love these old Stephen King writers. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't put it down. So the chalk. Yeah. Um, he gets it. One of the kids gets the chalk for a present. Yeah. And they, the kids in the group all have a different color chalk and they chalk around, ti- around town to symbol to each other. Uh, but then when something starts happening, something starts going wrong, these little chalk characters start turning up in unsuspecting places. Bye. Not in their colours. Not in their colours. So someone else has got some chalk. Maybe. What's going on there? I don't know. But we've got the now and the then. We've got the kids growing up and yeah, revisiting yeah. what happened in their wow. youth. Can I make a prediction? Go on. All right. So here's my prediction. Boom. CJ Tudor, if you're listening, you can use this as a sequel. The teacher, yeah. the out-of-town teacher, yeah. is actually the grown-up kid from the future. Travel Ooh. back in time to uh, figure out who the murder was because he never figured it out as a kid. He's come back to figure it out and the chalk symbols that are showing up in a different colour, they're him because he's trying to track the murders. He's I like, see what you're doing. He's like, little chalk symbol here, that's where the next one's going to happen. I see what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm just going to say it. Time travel. Um, there's a few tropes in this book that I think are... Uh, Traditionally, for me, could be a bit tired. Right, right. For right. example, Back to the Future. Um, mystery teacher or outsider comes in is Albino. Oh, okay. Um, so what you're saying is it's not the kid. But really bad kid, gay. Oh, right. Potentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These kinds of things. But yeah. she just did it so well and it Ooh. was so fleshed out yeah. that I just really embraced it, which is a weird thing for me to say. Yeah. Even um, the kids, when they're at the, the, the start of the book, they're using like gay slurs, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't think these things happen. Yeah. It's just that I think when you're queer or part of a marginalized group and you pick up a book for some fun reading, mm-hmm. when you have to hear those slurs, it reminds you of like what you have to deal with all the time, really? right? So it's not as though I think they shouldn't be there, but I think that people just love to use it for shock value or to tell you hey this character's awful or these characters are kids and stupid or whatever but she does uses all these tropes in a way that just like make complete sense to me wow so cj tudor i loved it i read it in two settings before i finished the second sitting and completed the book i tweeted about it on our podcast finished the book put it down i was like what a fucking ending that was fabulous Uh checked our twitter and she had tweeted at us being like hope you enjoy it Wow, CJ Tudor. I know. Hello. And I think we're in this lucky position where this happens a lot. Yeah. Because we get all these amazing books. We're doing this amazing podcast. It's like pretty, (laughs) it's pretty grouse. I often, I think it's happened like 10 times. I finish a book, I check out Twitter and the author has contacted us. Yeah. And you're like, why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Stephen. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Stephen King. God, stop calling. No. (laughs) I don't have time to chat right now. I'm doing the dishes. Steve. Steve, oh, I don't want to hear all of your theories about alternate endings for The Shining. God. We've been through it. Steve. So, um, five out of five. Wow. I went out today and I picked up the, it's not the sequel, but it's her second book, uh-huh. The Taking of Annie Thorne. Ooh. Uh, it sounds fabulous. Is it, is it a kidnapping? I love a good kidnapping. So it story. is a kidnapping, but it's about when the sister gets returned to the house. Oh. And the main character is her brother uh-huh. and how he's very scared of her now. Wow. See, this is interesting because you and I, I think, have very different tastes when it comes to this sort of thing. I think you really enjoy those ones where it's like, uh, you know, it's like crime, but at what cost? You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, here's the effects of it. Here's like the, the psychology of it. Yeah. And I'm like, crime. Who done this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. 
Let's all get together in the parlor. Right? Like, yeah. I'm like an old school guy. I'm like, crime's bad. Don't do crime. I'll solve the crime. And you're like, and they were touched by crime. <laughs> it's so true. Speaking of trash, I've got a pile. I've got a stack. <laughs> So I've been reading Kathy Rikes. I think I've spoken about Kathy Rikes before. She is the she wrote the Temperance Brennan series. I can never get over that name. It's it's such a name. I love it. <laughs> Imagine being called Temperance. Also, the thing that I really love about Temperance is she's a sober like she's sober like she used to be an alcoholic and her name was Temperance. Like, come on, <laughs> heavy handed. You know when you go to things and you get a sticker and you have to write your name on it and stick yeah, it on your yeah. shirt. You can write Temperance Brennan. <laughs> yeah. I um, dare you to do it if you go to one first and just send a photo. Yeah, it'll just be me, Temperance Brennan. <laughs> People be like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a forensic anthropologist. <laughs> Bonjour. So, Kathy Rikes, she, which I'm just going to say it, pen names. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you said we're doing Kathy Rikes, I'm like... Uh, should we? <laughs> Choices. So, the thing that I find really interesting about these books is they... So, they start around the mid-90s, which is a little bit after Patricia Cornwell. So I think Patricia Cornwell started in the late 80s. So we're we're thinking, we're definitely thinking, like, tattoo chokers and daisy print dresses. Daisy print dresses. Like, that's what I assume Temperance Brennan's wearing at any given time. (laughs) I'm going to love Temperance (laughs) Brennan. So she splits her time between Charleston in the south of the U.S., and Quebec in, in French Canada. Right. So she's a forensic anthropologist, which means she's a bones person. She like she How like, do I get that job? Right? I'm like, how do I get the job where I just like am, like get to hold skulls and be like, alas So it's like a um an archaeologist but for peeps? Yeah, well I mean archaeologists are for people as well, but um, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's just lots of different types. <laughs> They're not all Indiana Jones. <laughs> anymore but yeah no so she does like crime stuff so if they find like some bones they're like temperance <laughs> whose bones are these and she like comes up i don't know taste them it's like mm, <laughs> jeff <laughs> that was terrible but i loved it <laughs> <laughs> but the second i do a pun you're like mm. <laughs> so she spends like a lot of her time just like hanging out with bones but then also the other thing which i love like, do not get me wrong, I love this, is it's that classic thing of, like, not a cop uh, is involved in the investigation process really peripherally. Like, really what should happen is she goes out to a site, she retrieves some bones, she takes them to her lab, she analyzes them and writes a report, and that's it. Like, that should be her job. Like, the only time we see her in a TV show should be when she's in the bone lab. Exactly. Like, that, or in a hole digging out some bones. Like, that's it. Yeah. But... No, 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 no. <laughs> like, she'll be like, how do you defuse a bomb, like, in a basement? And I'm like, why are you here, Temperance? This is not your job, Dr. Brennan. Right? And it's the same kind of thing as, like, in, in Patricia Cornwell's, like, case, Garpetta, who is a pathologist. Again, she should only be seen at the scene collecting a body. Yeah. And then at the morgue. Studying the bodies, like that's it. This is why I love when people say, "No, actually, my uh, protagonist is a private detective." Right, it makes more sense. AKA, who do we love? 
Kinsey Malone. Kinsey Malone. It gives her an excuse to be absolutely everywhere. Right? She's looking through your mail. She's looking through the mail slot in the front of your house. She's... Nosy by nature. <laughs> Nosy by career. Right? But yeah, so Temperance Brennan. And the thing that I really love is that so many of the crimes, I'm on like the fourth book now. Um, so many of the crimes are linked to both Quebec and Charleston. I, I get the impression that Kathy Reich was picked up by a publisher who really wanted to do Patricia Cornwell. <gasps> and I'm saying it, I'm burning. Whoa. Well, here's the thing, because all of the front matter that is about like, whoa, you know, this one, this one it says on the front, better than Patricia Cornwell. Oh. Then this one says, the forensic detail is harrowing, the pace relentless, and the prose assured. Kathy Reich just gets better and better and is now the alpha female of this genre. Which is like the only other woman in this genre at this time, you know, the forensic investigator, it's Peacorn. Look, sexism is a thing. It's very real. Yeah. And the publishing industry is very, very competitive. Yeah. But... It's a thing. So here's the thing. First of all, I want to say that's a bullshit premise. But the second thing I want to do is engage with that bullshit premise. Okay. <laughs> we'll because, take her at her word. <laughs> because first of all, no one comes for peacorn no. without also incurring my wrath. No, yeah. So I was reading this. Here's first thing I really want to say, straight up. If you like forensic anthropologists, like if you like that kind of investigator who's not a cop, who gets way too involved in the investigation process and ends up in a bunker with a like serial killer trying to talk them down from blowing up the UN. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this is definitely what you want. Yeah. Having said that, it's not as good as Peacock. Ooh. Ooh. So here's the thing. I've read the first three and a bit. I hate that it has to even be a comparison, but when that's your promotional scheme, yeah. it forces us to engage with it. Well, it doesn't force me to, but I've decided to. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I would say is just that across the three books that I've read, they're not very consistent. By which I mean, the first one I read, pretty gripping, pretty engaging. Second one, yeah, pretty good. Third one, mm, thin. Oof. Not a lot of great prose to it. Like, often there's like some really weird metaphors. Are you saying that book number three has a ghostwriter? I don't know. I honestly, I just think she probably got a three book contract. Oh my god, we're dragging back. this woman. She's so famous. <laughs> She's so famous, but I really think that she got a three book contract off the back of two manuscripts and then had to rush the third manuscript because it's not that good. Oh my gosh, listeners, if you haven't been with us for this whole time, I guess the three or four years we've been doing this podcast, this reminds me a lot more of the podcast we did in the early days when we didn't realize that the writers of the books we were talking about were listening to us at home with their tiny hearts. Kathy Reichs, come for me. No! <laughs> I will meet you in the parking lot, Kathy! Well, because this is, this is how we got Peter James liking all of our tweets. That's true. It's a bit much. Well, no, it's not. It's, he's on the Insta, isn't he? He is. But speaking of Pecorn, where the fuck is she? Where is Patricia Cornwell? I'm starting to believe your mum. The, yeah, so my mum has this theory that Pecorn died and someone else has been writing her manuscripts, which I disagree with because I still love every single one. And the last yeah. one we had was Depraved Hearts. Yep. And I was just, I've, it's been years now. Been and I'm years. used to like a yearly Patricia Cornwell. And where is she? Yeah. All right, so we have run way over time, but we can't finish without doing our most beloved segment. Sexy or scary. Sexy or scary. 
what better way to say howdy, Pa? <laughs> Hi there, Dad. Uh, than to speculate on whether or not I would make out with any given monster. <laughs> hey, not just monster. Fictional creature. Ghoul. Ghost. Book character. Yeah. So, mate, do you want me to start? All right, okay, but first of all, guys, just like, let's get in the zone, let's get in the zone. So, sexy or scary, I'm going to tell you uh, a creature, a monster, something, and you're going to tell me if you think it's sexy or scary. There's no other options. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't, you've got to just pick one. I love making a decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually my worst nightmare, but let's go. If you guys want to let us know what you think is sexy or scary, tweet us at CrimeTimePod. Be like... Boom, the Loch Ness Monster, Sexy or Scary, Evie Oddly. Oh my god, I love Evie Oddly. <laughs> it's just sexy. I'm oh my god, she looks so good in the reunion last oh. night. We're talking about RuPaul's Drag Race Season 11. The finale is next week. We just watched the reunion last night. So good. So good. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah, go. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I'm going to say sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Is no! it the lumberjack gear? Look, okay, no, no. I'm, I'm going to take that back immediately. It's scary. It's yeah. scary. He's horrible. He's just awful. Look, the lumberjack gear tricked me for a yeah. second. Yeah, I see. It tricked me for a second. It led you down the wrong kind of path. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a no from me. Not into the angsty rider type. Okay, so here's the thing. I love an angsty rider type. What I don't like is emotionally abusive people. Oh, you went there. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I said it. All right, I got one for you. You ready? Okay, go. Pennywise. Sexy Ooh, or scary? we've done this before. Have we? We have. have you your mind? No, I'm the same. Scary. Hate it. Disgusting. <laughs> nothing sexy about it. There's nothing sexy about any kind of clown outfit because I think clown, child, carnival, being weird. Yeah. All right. Child murderer. <laughs> nah, I'm gonna leave it there. Definitely not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> your word association goes you're like clown child murderer i was thinking about his character in the film because you know that time that the clown association of, of america came at stephen king for his depiction of clowns in it oh, they? they were so unhappy <gasps> with that character and it's like wow. what are you gonna do i guess they did but they they, they tried to do something well didn't get anywhere i just think but... you know in that situation you paint on a smile <laughs> Alright, my turn. Alright, boom. Bees. <laughs> what? Bees? That's just just bees. Have you ever seen My Girl? Oh, see, that's, that's sad. Little what kid, like the villain is definitely the bees. <laughs> I don't think the villain is the bees! He throws a rock. The bees come at him. They kill him. They are definitely the villain. I think it's an accident. I think it's a tragedy. All right. Well, you're bringing down my funny joke. <laughs> I'll move on. I'll move on. All Here's right. my thing. Colony collapse. Scary. Very scary. Woo! Very scary. We both have bee tattoos. That's true. I actually have two. Do you? Re- oh, you do. <laughs> if you would like to see a collage of our bee tattoos, let us know. Maybe we'll put up the three of them and ask you to guess which one is ours. Which tattoo is which? Yeah. So before we finish, let's just tell you a little bit about the uh, the digital startup that Eddie and I have started up. Started up. Bam. bam. So see, that's a pun, and you liked it. No, that was pretty good. Yeah. No, that wasn't a pun. That was just reiteration. Play on words. So, Frank & Co is a beta reading service available for all writers everywhere. Basically, if you 
are wondering if your manuscript is holding together, you're wondering if there are big plot holes that you just can't see because you're so close to it. Are your characters believable? Yeah. Are they fleshed out? So we take your manuscript for a test drive, we see if it's, you know, Eddie and I read, I really don't want to brag, but I'm about to. <laughs> I love to. to brag, so I'm just going to say, I read a butt ton of stuff. <laughs> Every month we get books coming from far and wide, publishers, yeah. authors, publicists. Okay, that doesn't happen, but we definitely get a shit ton of books land on our desk and we have to separate the good from the great and I think we do that very well. Yeah. So if you're someone that's writing a manuscript, you want us to have a test read of that manuscript yeah. and tell you how we feel. Honestly, we can tell you the good, the bad and what you can do to make it better. Get in touch, frankcoreaders.com. You can find it at our website, which is crimetimepod.com. Dot com. Give us a call. Give us, we don't have a phone we don't number. Have a phone. Don't call us. We're millennials. No one answers the phone. We actively decided not to have a phone number and we won't apologize for it. There will be no apology. But I live on my phone, so get in touch with me via our email, our Twitter, or our Instagram. Yeah. Until next time, folks. Play on. Play on.